This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome back to another phenomenal episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. Experience. What's up, Roman? Hey, what's up, Brian? We're back in the studio. Yes, we are. And today we have, I'm excited, we have another wonderful guest um, coming all the way from Ramona. On the east side. Yeah. Oh, that's the old sublime song. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited too. Um, we've got a kind of a pioneer in the industry. What? This is going to be a fun show. Yes, as always. Mr. Robbie Bauer. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. What? <laughs> Formally, I guess. Yes. What's up, Robbie? Thanks for coming in. Thanks for being a part of the show. Sober Life Audio Experience. It's been a show that we've been doing for a couple months now, and it's so great that we have the opportunity to come in and talk to some people that are really doing some big things in that community. So, so I'm going to just let the cat out of the cage here. Robbie is the executive director at a local detox facility here in town, and he, I would say, is on the front lines uh, working with many struggling alcoholics, drug addicts coming in on day zero, day one, withdrawals, I mean, the whole nine. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So before we start any show with the guests, we always ask three magical, special questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. What is your vision? Hmm. Vision. Well, I think uh, largely in this in this industry, we've been fighting a battle that we've been largely losing, and I, I say that with you know heaviness on my heart. I say that because you know although we've been successful at treating individuals for this illness, we've not been successful at keeping them treated long term. Um, there's mm-hmm. a high recidivism rate, as you guys I'm sure are aware. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know. As a result of that, you're kind of putting your, your, your brain to the stone, so to speak, and starting to think, well, how are we failing? And I think that it's a combination of things, you know, naturally the compulsion of the disease, but also the lack of communication between industry, healthcare professionals, and other treatment centers and other professionals. Mm, and so right. if I had a vision to speak of, it would be to synchronize all of those different components. And by that I mean, you know, synchronizing the all the, the client data so that everybody can be on the same page. We can track what people have tried. We can track, you know, what's worked, right. long-term, short-term, what went wrong. Uh, and, you know, if an individual checks into another treatment center, they have all that information readily available and we can attack this as a team as opposed to attacking this as an individual facility. Mm. So sharing the data and kind of gold mining what's available, making it, you know, possible for everyone to see. Yeah. Collaboration. And, yeah, yeah. Collabing. Yeah. Okay. Working together. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that happens here. Um, you get a lot of professionals that are here and we work together to, you know, to help somebody. Right. But, uh, you know, it's only to a, a certain degree. And I think if we were able to, for instance, take health information systems like EMRs and uh, EHRs and, and get that information into some kind of a database. And I know there are some guys that are working on this out there right now. Um, so just basically getting that out, actually implementing it, and then, you know, making a change in health policy because it's the only way you're going to get people to, you know, comply with it. 
is right. to change the law. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a fun, <laughs> fun hurdle right there? <laughs> it's a big vision. Yeah. yeah. That is a big vision. Awesome. So, cool. Robbie, and we're going to get a little deeper into that, I imagine, yeah, as for we sure. go. But question number two, what do you love? What do I love? Well, I think we'll stick to professionally at this point. Uh, there are many things I love on this planet, on this earth. Um, but, you know, I love helping people. That's why I'm here. This mm. is an exhausting job. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for example, I've been on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week for about four and a half years now. Yeah. Uh, no real reprieve. And, you know, given the counselor burnout rate in this industry is generally around two years, yeah. I'm well beyond that. And I'm still here and I still care. And it's largely due to exactly what I love, which and, is helping people. And I'll even say, and you pick up the phone. I do. I've, <laughs> I've called you at, yeah. you know, odd times and and you've picked up and it's like, hey, Robbie, I've got someone here. <laughs> like, how can we, what can we do anything here? And he's like, oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Bring them on by. Like, yeah. let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's, big. that's awesome. I want to you acknowledge you for working that. working with people. I do. That's great. Yeah. Question number three, Robbie. One book that has greatly impacted or influenced your life. Hmm. Mm. Well, that's a hard one because I have a lot of years of schooling under my belt. Okay. Oh, um, almost like decade, right? Plus. A over that. 13 yeah. years. Yeah, 13 yeah. years of schooling. Nine years in community college. Yeah. And hey. in upper institutions. There you go. Just not knowing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And here I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the most recent book that stuck with me is Power Versus Force. Mm. If It sounds like you might know what I'm talking I, about in, there. I, I have been suggested that book mo- many times. I own the book and I pulled it off my bookshelf <laughs> two days ago and looked at it and was like, Brian Hawkins, right? Yep. And was like, <laughs> that's the one that I think is next. And yep. it's funny you just said that because uh, now it's like really yeah. – I've heard so many people say that that is an influential book. It is. It's It's got some great concepts in it and it's kind of an eye-opener. Well, it's next. We're going to get into it. Cool. Cool. So, Robbie, let's give um, let's give the listeners kind of some background, some like, who perspective. Who are you? Um, Grew up in San Diego. You, you know, you're the executive director at a local detox center. You've you've worked in addiction. It, it wasn't your first go to. I mean, it wasn't. You were figuring it out. Do you yourself? I mean, do you have an issue with alcohol, drugs? Do you know anybody? I mean, well, I found myself in this industry by mistake, so to speak. <laughs> uh, not a mistake. It's just you know, you when, I, when I put myself through you know UC San Diego, my intention was not to be in this field. It was to do something entirely different. However, the universe had plans for me that were far outside of my you know ability to manipulate. Right. Uh, just like much of the rest of this earth, it, things kind of happen in a way, uh, oftentimes out of our control. I have been influenced by alcohol and drugs my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, my father, my father recently just passed, you know, over five, six years ago from, from alcoholism-related mm-hmm. illness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, previous to that, my mother struggled with this. And the kind of – the humor behind all of this is when I started working at Pomero, which is about four and a half years ago, 
I started working with uh, – originally it was Dr. Philip Milgram who who was doing the, the medical consulting there. And you know, he was there for a short time and then was kind of uh, – Dr. John Milner came in and started doing that work. And yeah. Dr. John Milner has been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. He's He's been on the forefront of this battle of addiction and you know policy and law and all, all that stuff. He's, he's been involved in it. And he, he was there and I was there and I was talking about work one day to my mother and she said, John Milner. That sounds familiar. Go ask him if he uh, if he knows about a program called CARP. So I did. I went and asked him if he knew about this program called CARP, and it turns out it, the Cabrillo Alcohol Recovery Program. He founded it. Mm. Uh. As not surprised, given you know Dr. Milner's you know extensive you know background in this in this industry, right. he in fact did found it. He treated my mother when I was you know a wee lad, and huh. I was in those that program with her. So wow. I saw, you know, Dr. Milner or someone, you know, similar to him every day. I attended groups every day. At the time, I didn't know what was going on. I just right. know that, you know, there's like all these people getting together and they're talking and, it, you know, these other kids and they had us, you know, kind of active. And they were – what it was is I was a, a child of alcoholism mm-hmm. and they were, you know, giving it a go at treating the children early on. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I – I was compelled to work in this field through many years of, you know, just kind of happenstance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so ultimately, yes, Dr. Milner treated me when I was a young child for being the child of an alcoholic. My mother's still in recovery to this day. I think she's got 30 plus years. Nice. Wow. And, cool. uh, you know, and I guess my ability to maintain some semblance of normal life Considering the genetics are there for me to also suffer yeah. with this, um, you know, largely probably due to my exposure to all this stuff in my earlier years. Right. So, Robbie, I've got a question for you. What are some of the patterns, some of the trends that you've noticed in detox and alcoholism and drug addiction, kind of, you know, given, given your career? What are some of the things that you've seen, you know, kind of pertinent or relevant or that you've seen time and time again? Well, since the uh, since the current eyes are shifted toward opiate, you know, epidemic, um, I can I can honestly say I've seen a significant increase in individuals struggling with that, uh, and I've also seen, unfortunately, a good handful of people over the last four and a half years that are no longer here as a mm. result of that battle. Yeah, um, people that we've we've seen, we've treated for the withdrawal of of that substance, we've. You know, worked with them to get them in a continuum of care, and unfortunately, ultimately, you know, they lost that battle. Mm, which kind right. of ties right into the first question you guys were talking to me about: is yeah. how how can we improve? Or what's my vision? You know, it's improving our efficacy. Yeah, yeah, and that's based on you know the results you've seen, the the patients you've treated. Yeah. Um. So it's obvious that opi- opioids are making a pretty big impact. Significant, and it goes a little deeper than just classic or traditional substance use too. You, you have individuals that, you know, had a car accident or had a severe injury and maybe they had a surgery right. and they get put on these opiates and then they they take these opiates so frequently that they become dependent upon them, right? So mm. so we treat two things at Pomero. We treat dependence and withdrawal, which is natural to both of them. Right. But we also treat addiction, right? Mm-hmm. There's two very different things. Some people can use their medications as prescribed and never deviate from that plan, and they still end up in a, with this problem, right? You know, of dependence, and and it's scary, 
And, you know, they, their options pretty much are, okay, you go to treatment center. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are adverse to that because they right. don't want to be considered an addict. You know, there's still kind of this negative connotation to this, this the stigma. phrase, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, but we treat it all. You know, dependence and substance abuse. So, Robbie, we have a kind of a broad range of listeners from active addicts and alcoholics. And and what we're finding recently is a lot of parents Mm -hmm. as well who don't have that issue. And could you maybe explain, like, when someone's going through withdrawal or or they're kicking opioids, like, what are some things that they're going through? Like, what are some of the signs and symptoms? What are the things they're being treated for, like, at, at your detox? Okay, so physiologically speaking, just just in regard to the body, you know, you're dealing with uh, severe anxiety, pretty significant agitation, a lot of, you know, intense sweats and cold sweats and they're hot and they're cold and, you know, they, they might shake and their stomach hurts really bad and, you know, maybe they, they've, they're constipated mm-hmm. and, you know, I think are chiefly the, the largest symptoms that we treat with, mm-hmm. you know, medications to keep them safe, obviously, and comfortable enough to where they can actually do it, mm-hmm. um, you know, short term. And, you know, so physiologically speaking, that's, th- those are the chief, you know, complaints. Plus, you know, the, the relation to the blood pressure and pulse, in, right. in, you know, with, with their withdrawal. So um, t- to keep it as simple as possible, this ties right into what's happening in the brain, which is a lot more uh, difficult to explain because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Right. But when your heart is beating, it sends off beta waves. Mm-hmm. When your mind is pounding, reeling around, uh, you know, from thought to thought compulsively, it's also emitting beta waves. So, you know, there's a relationship between your heart and your brain. And as a result, you know, if you treat one, you know, it can also severely impact the other. Mm. So those are the physiologically speaking are the chief complaints. Now, psychologically, it varies. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people are, they're just, you know, they're calmer and they're there and they know why they're there and they're ready to do it. Some people really get focused in on the anxiety and the agitation of it, and it makes them a harder person to treat. Right. But we treat them nonetheless. And, and the, I think most important part of this is we treat them with kindness. Mm-hmm. It's not We're not a highly regimen, strict, ruled program because we don't treat the symptoms of – the long-term symptoms of the addiction. We treat withdrawal. Right. And our goal is to get this person – yeah, su- successfully withdrawn from substance as comfortably as possible so they can say, hey, I can continue to do this for 30 days or 60 or 90 or six right. months or a year. Yeah. Right? To motivate them to want to continue that journey. And if we inundated them with rules and like, oh, you violated the rule, and blah, blah, they're going to be a lot less, I can't do this for 30 days. Right. And, right. and furthermore, lying, cheating, you know, all these these what are considered to be kind of bad social behaviors are often symptoms of the, the withdrawal, right. you know, a symptoms of the illness nonetheless, you know, when right. you're drinking and you don't want people to know you lie about it. So when somebody lies to you, in my opinion, we can't just take that and say, Oh, well, sorry, you've in violation of our rules and we're going to have to discharge you. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. They're exhibiting symptoms of an illness that they've come to us to be treated for. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're really, we're really understanding of that. And, uh, you know, our staff have trained very hard in, in remaining in that place. It's a it's a new game, right? It's not it's not like cocaine was in the eighties or crack in the nineties, uh, methamphetamine. Like this this new 
opioid epidemic, it really does create this need for medically assisted detox. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, there's been, let's see, 17 years ago, they approved in America the use of Suboxone for the treatment of this particular illness. Right. And it showed pretty significant results in successfully keeping people from using. Mm-hmm. Now, we know today that that number is a lot lower than we'd like it to be. Right. Because, you know, people will take the Suboxone, sell it, and go get what, they, what their drug of choice is. Or, um, but for many people, it still works very well. Mm-hmm. And medication-assisted treatment, at least short-term, has shown some pretty significant efficacy. That leads me into my next question. What, uh, post the detox phase, what do you think are some of the hurdles or the biggest obstacles? Like what's what's stopping these people that get out of detox from entering long-term sobriety? What do you think are some, and I know that's kind of a loaded question, yeah. but what, what are some of your thoughts or your insights on on what's, in the gap, what's stopping them from getting the long-term sobriety? Well, affordability uh, mm. is naturally one, right? Um, mm. If you can't afford treatment, it's going to be pretty hard to obtain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of ties in line with you know the vision that I have is not only, I guess, uh, you know, improving our communication with other providers, but also affordability. Mm. Um, and you know, that being said, if, if we could somehow find a way to make treatment more affordable, more people would likely pursue it. Right. Now, you know, the other part of that is and you know, a lot of the people that come through our facility, they've been to treatment 10, 12, 15 times. They've been to really high-end ones. They've been to really low-end ones. You know, the parents' you know, savings accounts are being drained or their yeah. trust funds are being drained or maybe they pulled a second mortgage on the house. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they no parent wants to give up on their child. Uh, and you know, I've seen it firsthand. They do whatever they can to, you know, many parents, not all, unfortunately, but, um, many of them do whatever they can to, you know, help the, help their, their loved one or child get into treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's expensive and they mm-hmm. do it over and over again. And I think largely what another part that we're lacking on in this field is, is bringing that past experience and treatment and helping to integrate it into their natural lives, mm-hmm. right? You know, people can live in an institution because they're not susceptible to their own compulsions. Right. Mm-hmm. But the moment you take them out of that environment and you put them back into the world where, you know, everything's at your fingertips and you can go onto Craigslist or wherever and you can, you can find anything and very easily, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, there's a failing there, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's a pretty big hole in helping people into that long-term recovery. Mm. Damn. He said, um, this is funny. I was just talking to a, a client of mine the other day and he was explaining to me this Craigslist drug dealing culture. <clears throat> this is absolute yep. news to me. I'd never heard of this before, but he said that you can go on Craigslist and literally find any drug yep. that you want. True. You're familiar with this. I'm very familiar with that. How like when did this start? Is this new? Is this newer development? Not that new. No. Craigslist has been around for a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, I, I, you know, when I was younger, it didn't exist. But so what's new? You know, I mean, yeah. five right. five years, maybe ten. I don't know. I 
I've learned about this over the last four and a half years. If right. It helps at all. So okay. at least over four years ago, they were able to find pretty much whatever you wanted on, on Craigslist. That's yeah. I was just, I mean, I was just baffled and I was, I was talking to a parent that was obviously she doesn't know. Right. And the thing with most of these parents is they don't really know what's yeah. going on with their, their kid, their loved one. Yeah. They don't know, you know, they take for, face value what they see or what they hear you know and you know in addiction and alcoholism manipulation is a key component it is a right? symptom of the illness yeah so <laughs> as a as a as an active drug addict i would tell anyone anything any story that i could make up to get me into a better position to continue doing what i'm doing yeah well i mean i can tell you from my own experience Back when I was smoking a lot of weed, living in Ocean Beach, I Googled marijuana in OB. It was like the fourth or fifth click, like item on the SEO. Clicked it, called the guy. He And this was at like 6 a.m. after doing like a lot of other substances all night. The guy happened to be walking his dog on my street. And uh, I called him up and got it like that. I yeah. mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's Ocean Beach is where most of the Ramonians back when I was a young child all went to go get yeah. stuff. Ob, yeah, right. or or Mission Beach, but usually it was Ob. Ob, yeah. very oh, yeah. very accessible. Oh yeah, that's for sure. For those listening that are parents, um, Craigslist, watch out. <laughs> okay, watch out, Craigslist. So, Robbie, you get you're uh, you're working at Pomero. You're you're treating people in the acute phase. We're looking at some of the gaps in treatment as being aftercare. We're looking at opioids as being you know one of the biggest up and coming issues yeah. in treating addiction and alcoholism. Um, how about the uh, how about the alcoholics? Are you getting a lot of cut and dry alcoholics, or would you say most people are poly substance users? Uh, no, they, there's still many just alcohol, soul use, using individuals out there. Uh, we're still battling that, right? That it's it's a legal substance, and yeah. uh, you know, oftentimes people will rest on that. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just drinking alcohol, and you know, it's legal. What? I'm not, you know, breaking the law. True. But, you know, any time that you have an allergy to that particular substance, it becomes right. a problem. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, many of the you know, modern scholars like to rest on Silkworth, uh, you know, ideas of allergy. And right. It makes sense. You know? Right. There are still many. Uh, for instance, over the last month, we've had oh, over a dozen. It's interesting, too, because, you know, these things, for some reason, happen in trends. Mm-hmm. So we might have one month where it's like, oh, Everyone here is all withdrawing from alcohol. Uh, maybe the next month it's like, oh, my God, everyone's here. You know, it's been IV opiate using. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I don't know why, but for some reason there are some trends that, really? are, that there have been. Yeah, like superstitious a little bit, huh? Weird, yeah. Like last year, huh. January, all males. Wow. We were calling it Manuary <laughs> because it was all males, not one female. I don't know why. Interesting. Yeah. Weird. That is interesting. I don't presume to know if there's a trend. I don't presume to know what it was if there was one. But I, right. I know that sometimes you sit back and you, you go, what the heck? You know, this is just – it's the month of, you know, opiates. It's the month of alcohol. It's it's weird. Huh. So, Robbie, I got a question for you. And this is really for those that are listening that uh, are struggling 
Mm-hmm. You know, keep in mind, pe- people that are going to listen to this are struggling. Mm-hmm. And some are parents of those who don't know where to start, don't know where to go, don't know what to do, but recognize that there's a problem. And I would, I've, I say this every time I'm on here. Anytime I give advice, I say first place to go to is detox. It's just, that's where I think if you have uh, a substance abuse issue and you've been doing it a while, that's where you go. Get cleaned out. Start there. What What would you tell some of those family members? Well, that's sensible because uh, you, you're taking an individual out of their environment and you're putting them into a treatment environment where if they are not – if their their body is not stable, it's going to be a lot harder for them to pay attention to what, what it is they're there for. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention it's going to trigger everyone else that's there. If you get an individual that's still got substances in their body and they're still kicking or maybe they've come in and they've used that day mm-hmm. and they're there for intake and you have a household of other people that have been sober for 30 days, they're still in, very much in that like, oh, my God, I want it. And when yeah. they see somebody that's high, they're like, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. you know. But obviously they don't entirely want that because they're there in treatment. Right. It's probably not a lockdown facility. There aren't a ton of those. And yeah. Um, they're there because they want to be there, right? They could walk out if they wanted. But, you know, as treatment professionals, it's our job to try to make the safest, most conducive environment for that individual possible. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why we need to work together uh, to, to achieve that. Yeah. Detox should be the first step because you need to get their body stabilized. Substances like benzodiazepines, like Xanax, Klonopin, mm-hmm. Valium, all those things, that they will they can kill you. Withdrawing, right? If you don't do it properly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, alcohol—that's another nasty one that can yeah. actually it can take your life if you don't have the assistance you need to get through that process. And um, as much work as the hospitals do and the ERs, which is where most people first go, they don't entirely have a functional, working understanding of this illness, right? And so they might get something like, okay. You know, the moment that that, that healthcare professional sees that they've been struggling with alcohol, for instance, they'll say, oh, alcoholism. Let's hook them up to IV and give them Librium and discharge them in two hours, mm-hmm. three right. hours, you know. Well, the problem is, is sure, even if that person took themselves there because they're scared and they want to do this and they want to be sober, the reality is they wouldn't be in that position if they could just stop on their own. Right. Mm. And so you've got to give them a safe cushion from their last use in uh, the, the most comforting and empathetic environment possible and then you need to continue that care so that you know they they get some distance from that last use otherwise the compulsion is going to win out almost yeah. every time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so robbie what would you say to someone who's struggling like like and is just hopeless i mean you probably see that every day i see it often and i've got hope on tap and mm-hmm. i lend it freely um <laughs> You know, I think I like the most that. important thing to, to consider with this, especially somebody that's really got all this stuff bouncing around in their brain, you know, maybe they want to do this. They just can't make that step. Uh, you know, there's hope mm-hmm. and it can happen. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. You know, no doubt. No I love it. Doubt. I love it. Robbie. Um, yeah. You have a great facility. We love we love your spot. Been out there multiple times. Love it. Love what you guys do. Love the services that you provide with compassion and love. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is unique in a world full of... Fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys do it well. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, I dare not say unique. It's just that we have a different goal. Mm-hmm. Um, as a detox, and that's all we do is detox, right. it's our goal to help somebody feel like they can continue this. So our worries are not so much changing the behaviors. Mm-hmm. It's stabilizing somebody and letting them know that they can continue this and do it. Right. Yeah. Wherever they go after, they can focus yeah. on that. Their so. rules yeah. are, have to be a little more strict, right? Because yeah. they're trying to change behaviors. And yeah. so it's not that ever you know, these other treatment providers are not empathetic or that they don't care. It's just that they've got to shift their focus into trying to change behaviors. And it's that requires a little bit more of a regimen. It's a different yeah. strategy. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is. Different Absolutely. level of rigor. Yeah. Absolutely. Robbie, where can where can people find you, find out about Pomero? How can people you know, look into you guys. Uh, well, you can uh, you can Google Pomero, P-E-M-A-R-R-O, and we will come up. Uh, you know, additionally, I think, at least in San Diego County, you know, if you, if you go asking around about detoxes at any of the treatment centers that they are here, most of them will probably have heard of us and pr- very well might be, you know, comfortable with, you know, using us. Um, but that being said, we're all, Google is a, obviously we we're just talking about. You can yeah. find anything on there. Yeah, you could even us. find detox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow, you guys are on Craigslist too. <laughs> you know what's funny is we were just talking about advertising in the dark web. That's what Dr. Milner calls it, the dark web. Yeah, and we just were talking about advertising in the dark web. It's something that's not outside of the realm of possibility in the near future. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Interesting. It's not cool. a bad idea. Yeah. Awesome. Well, right on. Well, thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate it. This has been very informative for the listeners. This has been a great conversation. Great to kind of get to know you a little more. Love what you guys do. We are big fans, and we will continue to be supportive in what you guys are doing and creating this and causing collaboration because it's going to start with us. Yeah. You know, collaboration, I think, is the key to cracking this this code of addiction and really getting those numbers, right? The success rate numbers yeah. and boosting them up. Cause right now it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, it is, you know, and, yeah. it, and, and it's not something that I could be proud of, no. but I could also say that I'm standing and, and so are you. And we are yeah. together standing to, to up that level yeah. mm-hmm. and to continue to keep setting the bar higher. Yeah, that that phrase, it takes a village, kind of comes to mind for me. It does. It really does. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so uh, we get to all be, you know, tribe members and, you know, in this village helping each other out. It's a a tough tribe, but, you know, still here doing it. It's a good (laughs) tribe. Hey, it's a good tribe. There's a lot of love on the other side. Yes. So thank you guys for listening and tuning in Facebook and whatnot. This has been another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.